So, okay, so we're, we're going to chat for a while up here, um, and, a while, and after a while you're going to be invited to continue doing some chatting around your tables and so on afterwards. But, um, welcome Jess. Thank you. I'm glad you could join me all the way over from School Street, our special guest today. I'm happy to be here. Speaking at the service that you're in charge of. <laughs> I volunteered myself quite earnestly for this conversation. So oh, that was like you want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, some of you will have noticed this more than others, but sometimes women haven't been listened to very well. <laughs> we won't ask for experiences. <laughs> But, but that's what we're going to talk about some today. And so I wonder if we could start with some of the things that haven't gone very well. So why do you think there have been times uh, recently, long term, where women haven't been listened to very well? Why? Why? Or yeah. what are some of the ways in which they haven't been listened to? Well? Yeah. Okay, so I wrote out my answers. Um, <laughs> I had all these questions in advance. And I, I it was... A great exercise because I had a lot to say. Like mm -hmm. I didn't really have to do any research. I just had responses, which was a great way to prepare for a Sunday morning. Um, it was a new way. Uh, so I'm I am going to rely on the things I wrote because I wrote good things, and I and I <laughs> yeah. and I, I just I want you to hear them. Can, is that can I just, okay? Yeah, no, that yeah. is very much okay. Yeah, and can I just say this was my first idea was that I was going to interrupt her continually and contradict her, <laughs> gaslight her. Just see if anyone noticed. Just to see if anyone noticed anything was going wrong up here. But I won't. Okay. But I didn't just interrupt you to do that. <laughs> I should get good at interrupting you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay, everyone give okay. points. Anytime. Points. <laughs> interrupts me. Yeah. Yeah. So what what have been some ways in which women haven't been listened to Okay. So first of all, there are lots of ways to answer that question. And I just wanted to like fully acknowledge that I won't cover everything. This will just be like one layer. Uh, from my perspective and where I was when I was thinking about these questions. So, my disclaimer. And also just like a, a recognition that this is a, we can, we can joke about this and I think that's really good, but it is a heavy topic and I understand that. So it can bring up a lot of sadness and pain. And uh, anyway, I'm aware of that. And yeah, I think we all are. And we all are. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> what I thought about when I thought about this is that um, a lot of that has to do with like the family that we are raised in and the culture that we're raised in. So this, the response would be different for everyone. You know, every woman. Um, so for me, as a North American raised in a country, I was raised in the United States. That's uh, very much founded on Christian ideologies. Um, and I was also raised in a church, or I, I actually put myself into the church, but um, I grew up in a church. Um, a lot of it comes back to that for me. Um, it's hard for women 
It's hard for women to have a strong sense of being listened to in a society when the overwhelming consensus of that society once affirmed and perhaps still does affirm their subordination. So there's like the big structural and systemic stuff, and then there's the personal complex experiences of our individual lives. Um, so traditionally, society hasn't listened to women well by suppressing their collective voice in personhood through legislation um, in both the public and religious sectors. Uh, women only received the right to vote in America in 1919, so just over 100 years ago, uh, which is really only a, a couple of generations removed from us, like our mothers, our grandmothers, our great-grandmothers. Um, but in the church, <laughs> it's a different story. Um, um, even if we look at the vineyard, which is a lot of our context, um, and we might think of the vineyard as like a progressive uh, movement, maybe. Used to. Used to. Uh, but even so, women, women weren't ordained in Canada until 2008. It's like not very long ago. I know it was different in the UK. Rachel, Rachel told me yesterday she was ordained in the UK in 2002 uh, in a vineyard church. But um, anyway, she has a great story about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, we know there are major denominations that continue to um, assert that um, belief and authority over women. Um, so at a structural and societal level, I think it is a good step toward listening to women well when we are making sure they are at every level of leadership. You didn't ask me this yet, did you? Well, I'm, I'm just going to keep going. Okay. <laughs> so to make sure they're at every level of leadership, um, I like women need to be in the rooms where decisions are being made. It's a dangerous thing to have only men making decisions. Not that men are dangerous. It's just like they need each other. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, so, and I think we're listening to women when we value the wisdom that comes from women and when we believe women, uh, which came up in, in the early service today in, in the readings. So, when our listening deepens our understanding and influences our actions. Um, but the other thing I was thinking about is that I think patriarchy has created a kind of generational trauma for women. Um, that we all need to be mindful of. So it's not just that people haven't listened to women, it's that women have been groomed over centuries to keep quiet. And uh, for a large majority, that silence was the key to safety and survival. So when it comes to that kind of trauma, you can't just say, speak now, we're ready to listen. Um, you have to demonstrate safety over time. And I think a really good question to ask women today is, is it safe for you to speak? Is it safe for you to speak here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. was mm -hmm. going to ask that. Like, yeah. what, what makes it safe? How do you know when it's safe? Um, I, think it, I think it takes time and um, like repeat experiences of using your voice and then um, and then seeing that the people that you're around have created that safety, that it has been safe for you. Um, and, and that's something, yeah, so, I, so is it safe for me here? I would say 
um, yes, and I'm still afraid. I'm still afraid of that being disrupted somehow or like the floor coming out from under me and you know, based on all of my previous experiences. Right. And it's, yeah. it sounds like it's really hard to tell is that safety coming from my history, my experiences that I carry with me or is some of that still coming from the situation around me? Like it's hard, yeah. it's hard to know yeah. which in many cases. Yeah. And the messages are, you know, coming from all sides, mm -hmm. um, and so there's not there's not like one clear message for women right. around safety. Yeah. Yeah. Are are there clues though? Like, are there are there things that people might might look for that women in particular might look for that might help them to know when it's safe? Um, mm. Besides, because you don't always get to try a bunch of times first and see what happens, because uh, that's risky. Mm -hmm. So any idea what kind of clues there might be to look for to know whether it might be worth risking or trusting? Um, I mean, I think, I, th I hope that a clue here, like let's say in this church, would be to see so many women in leadership. <laughs> Hopefully that's a pretty uh, clear indication. Um, but in other spaces, like that, that's a big thing for me. I, if, you, if I'm in a room with all men, even if I know those men well, mm -hmm. and I know the, that my voice is valued, um, it, I still feel alone, mm -hmm. you know, as the only woman at the table. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So in our leadership team, I'm the only man at the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't feel the same, because I yeah. have a history of of where that hasn't been in question yeah. so much. Um, so, um, but I, I know what you mean. If, if, if you're the only voice at the table and there's a question of um, what does that mean for the things that I say, that would be very different. Um, any, any other clues just on a more individual level? Like let's say you're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone would there be would there be ways of telling like, I think I could be safe in talking to this person versus mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure if I would be safe talking to this person is that does that get too individual to, to answer that way or? Um, no I think I, I think there are clues um, I don't I, th I think it comes through like is that person um, listening like really deeply listening um, with a des with like a, a clear desire to understand, not listening for the sake of uh, asserting one's own opinion, but listening to understand. This is, maybe this is random, but one of the things that I remember being surprised by when I learned it in the counseling context is that one of the ways of telling um, men who, who batter their wives, mm. one of the ways I'm telling is that it's, the, the strongest correlation is men who aren't able to receive influence from women. Mm. So yeah. if, 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 a, if a man feels like I can't be affected by mm. what I heard, I can't be influenced mm. by her, that's one of the highest correlations with, mm. uh, with people who end up being violent. Mm. Um, so it just made me wonder mm. how visible it is when you're talking to someone, is this person 
is open to being influenced mm -hmm. by me, you know, by what I say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, does this all fall under, when, under do you know, two? when do you know that you're being heard? <laughs> I have more answers. Do you have more yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm glad you said that because I thought, oh, we must have been doing that already. Yeah. So yeah. Was yeah. I, I, I just, um, yeah, how else do you know that, that okay. you're being heard? Okay, this is how I know I'm being heard. <laughs> um, when what I'm saying is taken seriously, yeah. when my voice has an impact, I kind yeah. of said oh, that. that. When I am believed, um, or when listening deepens understanding and influences actions or outcomes. So then, you didn't ask this, but I'm offering it. I don't, yes, do. I don't feel heard <laughs> when I'm talked over or uh, like placated with niceties. Uh, I don't feel heard when... Well, can we just pause for that one? Mm. <laughs> you don't feel heard when you're placated with niceties. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, yeah. That I just thought we should pay attention to that one. Yeah. Can you give an yeah. example? Example. Mm. Um. I think. Uh, I don't know if I can give an example. I just feel that I've experienced it. Does someone else? Do, I feel like it's a lot of tone. Okay. Yeah. So when you're sharing something that's important, or maybe particularly if it's emotional, sometimes people kind of in an urge to be kind of busy and don't really want to engage. They just go, "Oh, that's terrible." Hmm. Shucks, you know, kind of that kind of attitude where they're saying the right words, but they are saying them in a way that's clear that they're not engaging with you deeply. They're not, they're not, they're not emphasizing with you, they're just kind of giving you a, a, a they're there so that you'll move mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Maybe it connects with what you were saying before about impact. Like it's the, yeah. the polite thing on the surface, but no impact. Uh, yeah. yeah. Awesome, that's great. Um, and Okay, and I, I just said I don't feel heard when the conversation moves forward without any recognition of what I've offered, um, which is again just like, I think that response just came out of me because it's clearly something I've experienced, you know, when you like kind of lay something out there and then, but I mean, all of this listening is hard. Listening it's, is very hard. Yeah. Um, so. It is so hard for me right now to give up that mischievous side of me that wants to do what I said before. I know. I, I just want you just to do the things that you're saying. Okay. I'm going to interrupt you. But it's hard. Did you get that one point for me? But I, I wanted to say, I do, I think it's okay and important to disagree. So I'm not talking about agreement. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think there, there are ways to disagree without gaslighting the other's experience. Um, so, and then I, when we say things like believe women, um, we're usually talking about a, a woman who's, who's sharing the lived ex, their lived experience. Um, it isn't like a, a universal statement that we slap over everything, believe all things that women say all the time. That's not what we're saying. But it's specific. Uh, when someone's sharing their experience, believe them. Um, yeah. Uh, and then um, I wanted to share. Well, I thought to help a woman feel heard, you would start with listening. And so that would, to me, it would look like starting with empathy, starting with belief. Um, and if you find that you can't believe, to be curious about that, to look inward, uh, to ask yourself why. 
um, yeah. So be curious about why you are having a hard time. Yeah, what's the resistance in you? Yeah. <coughs> yeah. And then I have a quote from Valerie Carr. Please share okay. that. So this, she's like an expert on this, so has so much wisdom to share about listening. Um, yeah, I hope we do one of these on listening to our opponents. That's my, yeah. Um, because she has like just brilliant information on that. But she says this, deep listening is an act of surrender. We risk being changed by what we hear. Empathy is cognitive and emotional. To inhabit another person's view of the world is to feel the world with them. But I also know that it's okay if I don't feel very much for them at all. I just need to feel safe enough to stay curious. The most critical part of listening is asking what is at stake for the other person. I try to understand what matters to them, not what I think matters. And is that from See No Stranger? Yeah. Which is a great book to read the whole thing of if you want to hear more of that kind yeah. of wisdom. Yeah. 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 Just thought I'd put it in the book. Yeah. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Let's shift toward what kind of things do you think have been either getting better or even maybe getting harder in, mm -hmm. in recent years? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is getting better. Like, like legislation I mean, is a big part of that. Um, like my life is, I, I enjoy more freedom than my grandmother or my mother. Um, and there's like a stronger public consensus um, around like the full humanity of women. Like it, it's, it's safe to say that like the popular opinion today supports the radical notion that women are people too. Um, and there are conversations about patriarchy today, which we weren't having even 10 years ago. Some people were, but it wasn't really in the larger consciousness. May I ask you to just give a short definition of patriarchy? No, I will not do that. <laughs> but listen, <laughs> so um, I, I do say this, we are actually trying to understand what patriarchy is, what it means, where it lives, and how we can free ourselves from our entanglement in it. And I'm still doing that too, so I don't have a good definition, do you? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of definition even built into what you've just been saying, but it's it's the systemic side of it. The, um, so it feels a little bit parallel to when we talk about whiteness, you know, as a thing that's different than just our skin color. You know, the, the sense of, of the attitudes that are systemically built into yeah, yeah, so, so much. And I also, I have to, Say when the when you used the word legislation before, mm. it hit me with some sadness because it felt like the first answer to that question is is we've gotten better because we've had to, mm. like because the rules yeah. came in to make us be better, because yeah. otherwise a lot of that improvement might not have happened. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, uh, yeah, so that is a good segue into how it's getting worse. Oh. <laughs> um, because it, it's also getting worse. So I think the patriarchy is frightened and angry. Um, and I think we're living through the backlash of that. Uh, so we know Roe versus Wade was overturned in 2022. And just this week, uh, there's all kinds of state legislation being passed uh, in the states that 
limits gender affirming medical care for trans people, that's explicitly anti-drag, that gives county clerks the right to deny marriage licenses based on their own religious objections. Can I say something? Mm -hmm. Southern states. Yes, Tennessee. There's a difference. Texas. Not all, not all states. Yeah. Well, but usually when something like some. that happens, it's a southern state. Mm -hmm. I'm forgetting that it's the truth. Thank you. Um, it might seem far away, um, but we have to understand that an infringement on human rights anywhere is a risk to everyone. And so we can't ignore what doesn't impact us directly. And um, so this is like, if you look at definitions of feminism, I think uh, feminism has to include the intersections of the LGBTQ community and the BIPOC communities. That are, that are more deeply impacted by this kind of aggression and, and oppression. Um, so true feminism would fight to, to lift everyone. Um, and then I have a quote here by Gloria Steinman. She says, uh, feminism has never been about getting a job for one woman. It's about making life more fair for women everywhere. It's not about a piece of the existing pie. I love this. <laughs> Uh, there are too many of us for that. It's about baking a new pie. <laughs> yeah. So the the part that's getting worse, one of the parts that's getting worse, is is kind of a a, a pushback, a pendulum swing in some places politically, um, and it it almost feels like the parts that you talked about, you know, for trans women, for BIPOC women, that some of it is um, an intention to push back where it's harder, where people are still more marginalized, rather than pushing back directly mm -hmm. with women who have maybe a little more power mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Is that part of what you're talking about there, I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, I, like, there are vulnerable uh, communities. There are yeah. communities that are more vulnerable. Okay. But women, but... And but oddly, that's where the pushback is against the yeah. more vulnerable. Yeah. 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 Oh no, just the, I, I do think that the overturning of Roe versus Wade was a bit of a, a carpet pull from That's, under yeah. the feet of women. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I still remember. toward the Me Too movement and, and how that may have uh, changed things? Uh, mm -hmm. What do you think has been the impact of the, yeah. of the Me Too movement? Yeah, I think, um, I think the Me Too movement had a huge impact. Um, I, it, it definitely um, let women know that they weren't alone, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, I mean, it, yeah, and it, it, it was really an extraordinary moment in time, I think. It was a catalyst uh, for this like uh, profound public reckoning. Um, and you know, people found the courage to speak up. Um, but I think also Me Too was a response to long-term, like long-term experiences of sexism and sexual assault and abuse that were rampant in society and were allowed to go on without accountability. Um, and so Me Too was able to hold men, particularly men in the public sectors, accountable for their actions. I think that's huge. Um, powerful men who were chronic perpetrators were called out. 
um, and court cases were won. Um, but or, or sometimes lost. Is there sometimes? Okay, yeah, yeah. thank you. Um, but when I was thinking about this, I thought, oh, but we did kind of center them in, in those stories, you know? Uh, we, we remember their names. Do we remember the names of the, of the women um, who spoke out? Um, and like Harvey Weinstein is an example of that. That was one of the big ones. And there were like 100, 107, I, I didn't know this, I looked it up for this, 107 women who publicly went on record with charges against him. Um, so, I, it begs the question, like, did we pay attention because of, of who was accused? Or did we pay attention for, for the women? It should be for the women. We should, that's who we should think of when we think about Me Too. Um, so, but when I reflected on this, I, I, I don't have a clear answer. Uh, as to whether or not Me Too increased listen listening in our ordinary lives around this. So like posts on Facebook have a place and a purpose, um, but I can't recall very many real conversations, particularly with men, about the Me Too movement that felt like the kind of listening I'm talking about. Um, so, um, anyway, and then, yeah, do you have a Well, I'm just there? trying to think what that would look like. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, even to, to say, like, I know at, at SSU, among the things that we did was to try to share with student life, like, if anything happens, make, like, please do talk to someone you are going to believe, eventually, a policy. Um, is that the kind of thing that you mean, like, being uh, proactive about trying to create the safe, Mm -hmm. place for uh, that Me Too conversation to happen, or is there something different as well? Yeah, I think that, I think that would be one way. Um, I think, I mean, maybe this is just like, uh, that we need to work on it with mm -hmm. more, to be more intentional about um, coming together and, and having those conversations, and, and I think it takes, um, yeah, it takes invitation, which is kind of skipping. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. But um, if we could invite those conversations and, and have like a, a real desire to, to know and understand what uh, someone's experience has been, mm -hmm. it could change us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know how many of you have seen the movie She Said, uh, which is the story about Harvey Weinstein that you just mm -hmm. referred to, and, and the uh, reporters who broke the story, and uh, and the victims, some the first, some of the first of the 107 that you mentioned, uh, who, which was probably way more than 107. Again, just horrific. But you know, I remember being struck as I watched it, as someone who tries to you know be informed of all these things, and I'm a therapist, and I know how plentiful uh, sexual abuse and harassment are and all of that kind of thing. But there was a line in the movie where someone who worked alongside Harvey Weinstein was was talking and they were talking about the number of non-disclosure agreements to shut up um, complaints about harassment and, and abuse. And uh, the reporters asked him, um, 
you're saying there, there have been at least nine of these like big non-disclosure agreements, settlements that have been done for him. She's like, and how normal is that among mm. people like him? Mm. Uh, you know, so and it's set it up. You you expect the question like this is this is high, and his response was no. That's what I would expect. Mm. Like mm. that's like it's, normalized. Like it, it's it's hard. One of the reasons I think it's hard for us to hear is we so much don't want that to be true. Mm. You know that it's that yeah. um, you know plentiful and horrific. Mm. Yeah. So that was a moment. Mm. Do you want to say more about the invitation, or should we get back to it? Um, no, but I have a little video for, oh, uh, sure. like, a, I, because I, yeah. I thought, Tarana Burke is the founder of Me Too, and, um, and really, like, her, which started long before it went viral, um, but her purpose really was to bring, um, to sound the alarm on racial disparate, disparities in the realm of gender-based violence mm. and sexual assault. Um, and that, that work actually is continuing uh, in all kinds of ways. And so she has uh, like a three minute kind of update called the Me Too Fight Goes On. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, okay. yeah. When was this produced? Uh, so I think it's 2021. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to sound through the HDMI or through the other Might be 2022. Okay. Four months ago. It's been five years since hashtag MeToo went viral. We had a lot of policies changed, we had a lot of laws shift. Many survivors are grateful for that. But what MeToo has made possible that is really, really important is the visibility of survivors. You will never not know that every 67 seconds in this country, there's another act of sexual violence. That 12 million people in 24 hours raised their hands to say Me Too. Hashtag Me Too made that possible. And it's still making it possible every day. I express my gratitude to the other brave survivors here today. Survivors are at the forefront of this movement, but we can't do it alone. This is not a spectator sport. This is not for people to watch and sit back and find out who's gonna get Me Too next. This is about people joining and saying, I want to do something. I wanna take action. We are interested in post-traumatic growth. That's the next phase. And that's what we need resources for. That's just not gonna happen magically. We need to re-socialize our young people so that they grow up to be adults who understand consent and understand boundaries and respect. It is ingrained in them so they don't hear that for the first time in the 10th grade or a freshman year of college. Movement work is also about healing work. And healing is just not about individual healing, it's about community healing too. The spaces where harm happened, healing has to happen. And that healing is about changing policies and changing laws and changing practices and changing culture. I don't think that people in the mainstream understand just how much this work affects people of color, black women, native women, queer folks, disabled folks, deal with sexual violence in ways that uh, the average person can't fathom. It is important for us to disaggregate that and look at individual groups 
and the nuances in individual groups because everybody is dealing with this differently. Native women have the highest rate of sexual violence in this country, followed by Black women for very different reasons. And those reasons are important. And those reasons are directly related to who they are and their history in this country. The movement to end sexual violence is decades and decades and decades old. I can talk about Rosa Parks, who people only see as a civil rights icon and her anti-rape work. We can go all the way back and talk about formerly enslaved women who were the first to testify in Congress about anti-rape and sexual violence. We are not pioneers in this work by any stretch of the imagination. This movement is very long. And the reason why it's long is because it's not about sex. It's about power. People will not relinquish their power and privilege without a fight. And this fight is not going to end anytime soon. Desirable. Um, so that was high school. Honestly. 
Modestly desirable, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Tricky. Uh, yeah, we had those conversations too. It's, uh, um, so fast forward 20 years. Um, after Bible school, eight years of missionary work, three kids, hundreds of hours of volunteering in churches with Sunday school and like ministry to the poor, various certificate programs like uh, the Vineyard School of Justice, the School of Spiritual Direction, uh, I decided to pursue a master's degree in theology at SSU. And I was 35 then. Um, two of my pastors who I had had received their degrees at SSU while they were my pastors. Men, two men. Uh, one of the first things I noticed, and this is not a criticism of SSU, you would find it anywhere. One of the first things I noticed uh, is that the men, my classmates, uh, were um, pastors. Most of them were pastors uh, who had been long-time pastors, so lots of experience in pastoring, that were just receiving their master's degrees. The women in the room, <laughs> on the other hand, uh, were just... Um, not just, but they were church volunteers, um, long-term church volunteers pursuing theological education for their own development, for themselves. Um, and it was immediately striking to me. Um, and in the last five years, at SSU, you've seen a shift. I've seen, I've, yeah, I've seen a shift. Uh, the, the women who are coming along these days are pastors, which is incredible. But um, but even today, the recent stats on uh, women in, the, in pastoral positions in North America is like the consensus is that around 78% of people approve of women being pastors. Three percent of um, evangelical churches have <laughs> women in like a senior pastoral position. It's about 30% in other, you know, in, well, I forget what they call the other churches, the non-evangelical churches. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so it, so even though there's a, there's approval, there's not, like, it's not, the numbers aren't rising. Well, they're, they're rising, but very slowly, and there's so far to go, and, and now you have uh, women Stepping into that role, uh, but they're like we're we're. I I like I don't I don't think we're we're behind, but we are behind. It's like I have this mixed. No, so we have tons. That was churches. Uh, women, like like um, behind an experience. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just because we weren't given the the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And. And partly what you're saying, and I think maybe more too, is that that's these ways in which uh, women have been given the opportunity, in ways in which they've been seen as less than in some of these ways, is not unrelated to the ways in which they've been abused or harassed and, and the responses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what you started off saying, right? That those things yeah. are all connected. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it is connected. And that, it does go on to what I, like, I think, it, like, today the church's place, like, the church's role in all of this is to, is to actively work to dismantle patriarchal structures and to, and to put forward theology that affirms the worth and dignity and value of women really actively. Like, 
um, to be willing to change male-centric language so that women and girls have no doubt that they are created in the image of God. Um, we've been told for so long that we are not. Um, the church And the church perpetuated the teachings that shamed and dehumanized women. That's, so it's our job. It's our job to to do the work of repentance and reparation. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just, I'm barely touching on it. Yeah. Can I just add one thing in case you wanna throw in some comment on this too? It, it, it seems to me because it's been a part of my classes at SSU a lot, um, the, the way in which, or the manner in which churches respond to uh, women who are abused by leaders in the church. Mm -hmm. And, and it seems to me that, that the number one reason why churches mess up in this category is um, maybe, maybe with sincerity or maybe not, they focus so much attention on the restoration of the perpetrator. Right? Um, and so often... That word. Forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> the effort. I love but it's so much because you can forgive someone and still send them packing, right? So, exactly. um, so it's even more than like it's the sense that somehow, like let's get them back to pastoring or something like that. Let's get them back into positions of power. Let's give everyone a second and third and fourth and fifth chance. And 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 again, sometimes it's done with sincerity, and sometimes I don't even believe it has been done with sincerity. But it. It's done so much damage. Mm -hmm. yeah. Did you, you want to add any more about that, or we you can just leave that one there? No, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, can, can I just pat me yeah. on the back? I don't know if they're the only state, but recently <coughs> they um, changed the fact that there's no statute of limitations anymore on, and that has been particularly um, interesting to a certain uh, Protestant, no, not Protestant, yeah, 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 Protestant group of clergy. And so now these cases that weren't allowed to come are now coming like crazy. So I, I think we're one of the only states, if not the only state, that has gotten, or at least there hasn't been too many that have gotten rid of that. There is no statute of limitation anymore on um, physical or, or sexual um, problems. Yeah. Assault, thank you. Yeah. So that's good yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go, go main. And thanks for that clarification, Renata. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I get nervous. Yeah, no, no, that's all good. Um, we, we want to give you a chance to chat at your tables, and it's getting uh, late. So do you want to just say a word about invitation? Like, what, what kind of invitation to women helps to create space, just so that we're not being passive or, or lazy about the, the process? Do you want to say a word about that? Yeah. <laughs> I think invitation is important. It's really simple, but I, but I, I think we have to um, know that it's a complicated invitation for women. Um, that it's vulnerable. It deserves care and attention. Um, but, but it, it's not just going to happen. You know, we like, like I said at the beginning, you can't just say, well, "It's safe now for you to speak." Go ahead. You know, but we really have to do the work of. 
making it, making that true. Making it true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Good. Good word. Um, do you still want to do that video, or do you want to maybe skip? Well, it? yeah. Maybe we'll just in, we'll just do the one song. I had two songs, but we, yeah. So just we could end with one of the songs, but we'll give okay. some room for conversation first if we want. Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, give you a few minutes to chat around your table. When you hear a lot of stuff like that, sometimes it's good to do a little bit of processing with others uh, out loud. Sometimes you might not feel like you want to, and so you just can listen to others around your table as they share their thoughts. Um, all right, are you going to pass out those little Yeah, I do have slips. Okay, so here are the kind of things that we would invite you to chat about at your table. Just be mindful as you're chatting, um, like look at the others who are around the table with you and make sure that you are giving others uh, a chance to speak. So uh, we're not gonna give you very long, so don't any one of you speak very long, especially if you're a man today. <laughs> don't speak very long. Uh, you, might even, you might even particularly wanna think about how you can be invitational at your table to make sure that uh, women have a chance to speak to the question. Yeah. I just think it's good to make a distinction between invitational versus giving permission to speak because I've had multiple experiences where men are giving me permission, which they probably think is an invitation, but it's a big distinction. So so the difference between invitation and, and permission, because permission is, is still too passive, is that the thing? Permission is still patriotic. Oh, oh, thank you for the, yeah. The, it's acknowledging yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, you, that you have the space and inviting to, to use it. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so just the questions, just so everyone can, can see them so they don't have to be reliant uh, entirely on the piece of paper on your table. So here are the questions to think of. What surface for you as you thought about what it, might, what it means to listen to women well? What actions might you take? What actions do you feel called to, invited to? What actions would you hope to see in the church? And how long? 10, 10-ish? Ten yeah. I think. 10 minutes? Yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll give you about 10 minutes.